Happy Thursday, everybody. Good morning to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time to uh, jump in the Word together. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20 for today. Are you good? Y'all doing well? Uh, I love you guys so much. I started my day at Franklin Simpson High School Middle School for their joint See You at the Pole celebration. I got to preach to those kids. I love them so much. Man, those are great, great young men and women, and I love the way they made a stand for Christ this morning on the campus of their school. Um, I know the world looks bad, but then sometimes you see uh, signs in the rising generation that uh, uh, everything's going to be in good hands, you guys. We got some young men and women who love God, and, uh, and I put a lot of confidence in them. Uh, and then you too. Uh, stay in the Word. Uh, the Lord's going to lead us forward. And uh, chapter 5 is amazing. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. We really shift into some very practical teaching about Christian character. Christian character... Uh, gosh, we don't talk enough about it. We, you know, I, I, I know, I know I'm a pastor. I, I can't act like I'm not the one doing most of the talking. But um, I mean, in the course of everything else that we feel like is priority, you know, preaching the gospel, you know, just discipleship. But sometimes even in the course of discipling people, we don't just talk about character, you know, how we act and how we behave. I know character develops over a lifetime. And sometimes people just assume that, you know, when I become an older person, then I'll be, you know, this kindly, wise grandfather, grandmother who loves the Lord and is faithful. And I don't see that happening for a lot of us. I mean, you know, if you're not kind now, I don't, you don't become kind later just because you had a lot of birthdays. You don't become, you know, sacrificially generous, you know, sometime in old age if you've been stingy your whole life. You know, that's not how it works. Character is forged out over a lifetime when you imitate God, I mean, that's verse one, imitate God. It, it demands hard work. Just character formation is uh, happening with every everyday choice you make. And and so chapter five just digs into what, what that looks like. And, and I really love it. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his children. You know, be like your daddy, you know. I know some of us have parents that, that you wouldn't want to turn out like. I, I happen to have very fine, godly parents. And gosh, you know, there's a point in my life when I was afraid, oh my, I'm becoming my father, you know, and now I'm 58 and he's 80 something. And I'm thinking, Lord, I hope I become like my father. You know, he's just such a godly, good man. Um, in some ways, it's effortless because I, I guess I have his DNA. You know, I find myself looking more like him, but. In other ways, you know, it, it has to be intentional. I, I have to choose to imitate his habits and their good habits. And, and when it comes to imitating God, this is a choice you have to make. And it's not your nature. You know, we're adopted children. You know, remember that. So you're not going to accidentally start looking more like him. You're going to have to spend a lot of time with him to learn how to uh, absorb his ways. You know, the, the ways of your heavenly father. Live a life Filled with love, verse 2 says, following the example of Christ, he loved us and sacrificed, offered himself as a sacrifice to us. Man, lots of us say we love people, but we don't often make a lot of sacrifices for people. We love people out of convenience. We love people for selfish reasons, but oh my goodness, just to lay down your life for other people. That's an example, a, a quality of love that most of us fall very, very short of. So the bar is set high, right? You're going to uh, imitate your Father in heaven and then love like Jesus loves. Everything else will take care of itself if you manage those things. 
Uh, verse 3, let no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Paul kind of focuses on these three particular types of sin. Sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. And I guarantee you, in, in, our, in our U.S. culture, you know, we'll, especially church culture, man, we'll preach all day long on sexual immorality, man. I'm telling you, you better not, you know, step off uh, in any direction you know, the line that we draw when it comes to sexual immorality. And, and I preach against sexual immorality. It's very, very important to remain sexually pure. And I, I do think sexual sin in many ways is different from other types of sin, as Paul says, because it's a sin against your own body. But, but nonetheless, that third one, they're greed hanging out there. Uh, it, it's the one we're less likely to talk about because it's the one we're most likely guilty of, greed. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, does the Amazon truck, the UPS truck ever drive past your house without making a delivery? Uh, and, you know, we just continue to accumulate more and more things and buy and buy and buy more and more things. And, and we just ignore. I mean, Paul comes back and says, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. You know, you, and, and some of you are going to think, no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't worship the things of the world. I just like to buy nice things. Well, what do you think worshiping things of this world is? I mean, you know, we prioritize buying nice things, having nice things. And uh, the scripture says right there, you know, don't be fooled by people who try to excuse these sins. Uh, again, man, you're on high alert for people who sin sexually, but man, people who love money, greedy, you know, man, they get an easy pass from us in the church because, uh, man, the American church overall, man, we are, we are greedy. We worship our buildings. We love our lights and, and our worship spaces. And I mean, make no mistake, man. I mean, you you want to spend money to feed people, you're going to have to probably preach a sermon and cry some tears. But man, you want to spend some money and buy something for the church people, man. And again, church people, man, we, whew, we love ourselves, we love the world, and we don't like to see it. But I'm just reminding you that right there with sexual morality and impurity is greed. And, uh, and we tend not to preach on, you know, at least one of those three big sins for, for, for Paul. It doesn't make sense because once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. You know, so live as children of the light. Live as people of the light. It's like we've completely changed cultures, but we continue to live like the like the, like the old way. Um, let's go on. I, 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 I'm going to get stuck because I want to talk about all this. Uh, verse 15, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. You know, re Redeem. Uh, make the most of your time. Re redeem the time because the days are evil, I think the old King James says. The point there is that n not every moment and not every season of your life is the same. They're not equal. Um, there's Psychologists call it the normalcy bias. It's just the way that you and I get lulled into sort of unconscious living because we just assume that everything's normal. And if it's normal, my brain just conserve energy. Yours does too. Our brains kind of power down. So we start doing a lot of things unconscious. We don't have to think about it because it's our routine. You know, we don't, not consciously making choices because we assume the normalcy bias causes us to believe that this moment's just like the previous moment. It'll be just like the next moment. But this verse reminds us, no, you can't assume that all your moments are equal. You got to make the most of every moment. The normalcy bias will wreck you in moments of danger or seasons of opportunity. 
Does that make sense? If you're just thinking, this moment's like any other moment, you know, and meanwhile you walk off into traffic, you know, then you missed it by not paying attention to the moment you were in. And by the same token, you know, certain seasons in church life or Christian life or family life, I mean, they're seasons of opportunity. Right now, if you're in a season where you got your young grandchildren with you a lot or, or you have young children, this is not a normal moment. You can't be deceived into thinking that you can just sort of, you know, sleepwalk through this season of your life. It's it's it, it's not it's it's not a typical season. It's a it's a what Paul would call a kairos moment, a crisis moment. In other words, you, you need to be thinking. You need to be making decisions. Uh, you need to make the most of every opportunity. I like verse seventeen. Don't act thoughtlessly. I mean, sleepwalking through your life, but understand what the Lord wants you to do in every single moment. In every single season of life, you have to know what the Lord wants you to do and understand what he wants you to do. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord, verse 10 says. Anyway, I just think all of this is so amazing. Now, let me, I want to talk about verse 18, 19, because this is very important leading us into our passage tomorrow. Uh, Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's had a couple little quick, you know, uh, admonitions in this passage. And you're tempted to think, well, there's another one. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Kind of like, you know, uh, don't be fooled by those who, you know, dismiss these sins. You know, um, awake, oh, sleeper. Don't make coarse talks. You know, don't make, don't tell obscene stories. I mean, he's kind of given us these short snippets of moral teaching and you think we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's another short one, but no, no, no. He's going to expand on this and everything that follows. I say that to mean what you have here is this uh, this admonition, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then that's followed by, in the, in the Greek, you see it very plainly, maybe in your English translation, depending on what you're reading, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then this is followed by four well, I think they're called gerunds in, in grammar or, or participle phrases. These are words that end in I-N-G. It's a participle, right? So be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to tell you four ways to do that. Singing, making music in your heart to the Lord, uh, giving thanks, giving. So it's singing, making, giving, and then submitting. Now, I say this because we have this tendency to start, and the New Living Translation does that, start this whole new section with submitting because we really want to, we want to especially tell the women to submit, you know, in ways that this passage doesn't. I want to call your attention to that. Uh, that that word, you know, verse 22, wives submit to your husbands. Man, we got to go all the way back, you know, to find the, the verb for that verse. And it's all tied to this commandment right here to be filled with the Spirit. So I just don't want you to miss that. Uh, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit, singing uh, psalms and making music in your hearts to the Lord. I, I know. In, in churches, lots of times, man, if you want to, you know, just open the door and throw a stink bomb in, it, it wouldn't be all that different from, you know, asking people about the music. People love to fight fights in church. I mean, please help me. They want to fight fights about music. Uh, whereas for Paul, this is just the first thing. Be filled with the Spirit and sing, you know. You think, well, I don't like the music, you know, or I don't like to sing, or I can't carry a tune in a bucket. And Paul doesn't ask you about any of that. He just says, man, if the Spirit fills you, you're going to want to sing. 
again, I'm not making light of the fact that, you know, guys, I don't always like the music either, you know? I mean, I'm saying that for myself. I don't always like the music. Um, I just don't. And I go to your church, I probably won't like the music at your church, or it's just different. You're singing songs I don't know, but is the Spirit there? And is the Spirit filling me? Because there's something about the Holy Spirit. He has this tendency to override all the things that will make you not sing. If the Holy Spirit fills you, you're probably going to sing. And even in the moment when you don't feel like you want to, I think if you start singing, the Holy Spirit will kick in, you know? You know, oh my goodness, the very thing that Paul just says, man, this is how you celebrate being the Spirit together. Sing, make music in your hearts. Sing among yourselves. Sing spiritual songs to one another, you know? Oh my goodness, make music to the Lord in your hearts. And giving thanks, that's the next one, giving thanks. Again, it's a participle phrase, and they all keep going back to being filled with the Spirit. Giving thanks to God for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to pick up right here, and I don't want you to think because we're going to sleep between now and 10 o'clock tomorrow that we're not continuing the thought. It all continues. Giving thanks, making music, uh, singing, and then uh, submitting. Uh, These all roll together, and we're going to pick up right here tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21 tomorrow, okay? But Paul doesn't divide these chapters, these verses. We're dividing them, but Paul doesn't. So we're going to pick up right here tomorrow with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. It's kind of the family code. We'll talk about how to love each other in families tomorrow. How being filled with the Spirit affects the way you live as a family. Uh, I love you guys so much. Uh, I, can, I could talk all day with you. We, we're just going to have to get together one day and read the Bible and, and do it, you know, into the night uh, because I love this time with you. Have a great Thursday. It's a beautiful day. I think that's it. It's going to be the warmest day of the week and probably the warmest day for a while. So I got thoughts about that, but I won't share them. Y'all know I hate cold weather. I, I love you guys, though, and I'll see you in the morning. Listen, have a great day, and I'll see you in the, uh, in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 2 and Tim. I love you guys so much. Have, have a good Thursday.